Okay, so we are continuing what we started last week, which we were, um, <clears throat> what did you guys talk about? Freedom. Okay, freedom of what? Like, uh, just like freedom, like um, what it allows us to do, uh, like how there are limits, not to open, like I haven't said like last time, not to abuse it a little bit, so like getting out and so on. What the Bible says Yeah. Okay, liberty from the law. From like oppression. Like, Not oppression. Li- like the like, like, liberty like, represents our freedom from the British. Like it, like liberty like, is a freedom. Like freedoms as compared to like political freedoms. Like what the Bible says are your freedoms that you have the freedom of and like what Okay. Like yeah, we talked about how some countries don't have to. And those aren't the same exactly. Sometimes. Okay. Oh, didn't say something about being like under the law or something like that. You know, yes. Yeah, and then, oh my God, oh, guys, how we love that you look outside because what he said. What about under the law? What does that mean? What I law? That's what the Bible's talking about? What? That's what the Bible's talking about? It's saying we're not under those laws, right? Sort of. Because some countries don't have have freedom or religious rights. It can be it can be extrapolated to that. Like expanded out to that. But alright, so where were we? Do you remember what book of the Bible we were in? We are in one of the ones Galatians. that Paul... We were in Galatians yeah. chapter 5. And we're going to stay in Galatians chapter 5 for a I while. Have it. I had it marked. Good job. Literally. I guess it's good to Okay. And... Mm, anybody want their memory tested? <laughs> their deep memory? Okay. What can you tell me about Paul? Oh! So, just like, for fun. Anything you know. about Paul? Yeah, it's been a long time since we did so, one of his letters. Paul was a guy. His what? Okay, of Jewish and Gentile. Okay, when did he live? Put him in the timeline of the Bible. Around the same time as Jesus, but mostly the story took place after that. Mostly like when he became Christian after Jesus died. Yes. Yeah, and um, I remember this. Um, they said that he would. You are thinking of Peter. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I haven't really heard much about Paul. That's all right. What about what else about Paul? Paul saw the Lord on the Damascus Road and he never was the same again. That's right. Okay. He had his conversion on the road to do what? To serve the Lord. Nope. Well, he thought he was, but what was he really doing? Helping the devil or something? Oh, before, like, when, where he was going? Yes. Oh, he was, well, he was camp, against, he was right? heavily yeah, against Christians. Like a camp or something to, right? A camp? I don't know. 
Yes, he persecuted Christians. He was on his way to Damascus, a city, to round up Christians and put them in prison and prosecute them. Okay? And that's when his conversion happened. He was struck blind, and days later, he, um, after being helped by a Christian sent to him by God, he um, has a conversion. Okay? And why do we have so many letters about him in the Bible? Or, that, sorry, not about him. Really, they're letters that he wrote. Because he went around, he started a lot of churches in different areas that didn't have churches, and then he would write these letters to them to like check up on them and make sure they were doing all the right things. Yes, exactly. Okay, good. You guys remembered a lot about Paul. So... We are looking at Galatians, and Galatians is actually one of um, the ones where the church, this church, if I'm remembering correctly, was a pretty good church, okay? Um, They did pretty well, and he corrected them on a few things, but overall, it's an encouragement letter. But we are specifically looking at just chapter 5. Because our series is, well, let's read these verses first. If you guys can read 13 and 14, those verses. Yes. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay. So, you guys read those last week, yeah, right? Yeah, we ended up going on number 26 when we had to leave. But we never finished it. Okay. So, for more review, what do those verses mean? Those Yeah. You're not supposed to exploit your freedoms selfishly. You're supposed to use your freedoms in order to help others. Okay, yes. All right. And what about the next verse, verse 15? But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. It's saying that if you pester one another somewhat like that, like, uh, well, that's not actually talking about animalism. Right. It's somewhat talking about saying, like, if you're being mean to someone, like, pestering them and Okay, that could be one example. You shouldn't use your freedoms to hurt or target other people and try to. Yeah, like, like just saying, like, I, I woke up bad today, I'm just going to be in a bad mood for no reason. Okay, yes, that's that was one that they talked that you guys talked about. That's a good one. Because what is it? What is it getting at? Don't, if you, it's basically like what Okay, but why would you why would you do those things anyways? I don't know, ask not to bring yourself up to make yourself feel better than other people feel like, oh I'm better than you. Yes, exactly. Selfish reasons, right? You devour each other when you are selfish, when you are focused on yourself. Okay. So we are going to be this, last week was just all of a introduction of a setting the groundwork for um, this short series that we're going to do. And we're going to focus on verse 22 
of Galatians chapter 5. And we're really going to take it word by word. Yeah. One of those. So, um, we don't want to devour and bite one another because what does that hurt in the end? Okay. But what, what part of everybody does that hurt? I mean, there are physical things that are harmed. There are... Yes, reputation can be harmed. That's true. That's very true. But deeper than that, what is it hurting? It somewhat like hurts their feelings a lot, but sometimes it brings out deeper than that. Better, more exacting than that. Something we talk about all the time. What's what's going to last forever? What'd you say, Abby? Close. Your spirit, okay. <laughs> well, there's a difference, right? We've talked about that before, that soul is like your personality. It's like the essence of who you as a person are. Like, um, remember when we were doing the book by Nabil and he was talking about the Trinity and that it's kind of like, and I asked Evan, I said, um, what are you? And he said, I'm a human. And then I said, but who are you? And he said, I'm Evan. Well, Evan, that's his soul, all right? He's, that's his personality that makes him different from Eli, who is also a human male, okay? That's, what, that's the part. But then there's your spirit, which is the part that is eternal, that can connect with God, with his spirit, okay? And that's the part that we care the most about, about Every, everything else, all the physical stuff, even your own soul, they all, all those things in the world are just, they kind of hang on the spirit. The spirit is what really matters. It's almost like, think of your phone. You have all this, the case and the buttons and the screen and the screen protector, but inside there is a computer motherboard chip with the programming in it, that that's what really matters, right? Because if you don't have that, what are you doing with it? Nothing, okay? Do you mean the, do you, mean, do you mean the controls connected to the motherboard, connected to the circuitry, allowing it to run to the entire phone to the side of Yes. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> if your spirit then is, if you are devouring one another, even, you know, with your words, with your attitudes, that has an effect on your spiritual life. And it will, if you are biting and devouring one another, it will shrink that portion of your being. It will shrink this your spirit and hinder its growth. Um, but instead, if you follow God's way, which is... If we had one, one rule, I know we were 
we have talked about how you're free from rules, but you're also free to choose to follow certain laws that God gives you, right? Yes, like spreading kindness Okay, that's a good thing. God does want us to spread kindness. Like, like how the fruits and spirits are love, peace, and joy in all Right. But if there is one rule, and we know that there is one because Jesus talked about it. Sometimes called the golden rule. That's the school's It is. <laughs> Close, but that's not, that's actually not, a lot of religions say that, but there is something specifically different about the Christians. Love your neighbor, which is different than just treating others as you treat yourself, okay? There is a difference there. And right. Which is another reason why it's different, because that's not quite as good as loving someone as you love yourself. And if you are following that golden rule, your spirit will grow, and like a tree, you will produce fruit. Okay? Didn't know you were capable of that, did you? So, let's go to Matthew chapter 15. Or sorry, chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. Wherever we left off. Okay, so here again we have devouring, right? We have wolves and sheep clothing. They're coming and their only goal is to eat things up, to destroy things, to take away from them. Um, it reminded me of, because I recently, well I listened to it, I didn't read it, but C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Scru The Screwtape Letters and we, we may do this sometime, but it is a book about a demon who he's just training another younger demon and how to tempt Christians and people and humans. It's not a real thing. It's fantasy, but it has a lot of truths about being tempted in it. And one of the things the head demon talks to the younger demon about, he says that um, he says that our whole goal is to devour the humans, is that we want to destroy them. That our whole goal is just like in Galatians, it talks about devouring one another. That is their purpose, is that they are just trying to take down anyone they can with them that is possible to. So, Matthew, in uh, Matthew here, Jesus is saying to watch out for those that are looking to devour, but how are you supposed to know who is trying to devour you and who is, has 
um, is trying to act good towards you or trying to do good. How do you know? By figs So like figs and grapes? What does that mean, fruits? The The fruits of the spirit are is one thing, right? So, and that's what we're looking at, of course. Um, And Jesus, really, he talks the most about fruit and then followed by Paul. But Jesus talks about a lot of times. He talks about how he's the, he is the vine and we are the branches growing off of him that are going to produce good fruit. And he says, if you're not producing fruit, I'll just snip you off with my pruners. Because if you're not, because it's almost like a, um, you can't, you couldn't have even been a part of the branch if you weren't producing fruit, right? Because instead you would be devouring. It's It's the same thing of Jesus said, you can only serve one master. No one can serve two masters. There's no in between of, well, I'm sort of doing this or I'm sort of and doing that. You can't do both. You either serve him or you don't. So, um, we're going to see then through these, looking at these different um, spirits, or the fruit of the spirit, that outwardly you can see these fruits that are being acted out, but they are, um, and they can be done in action, they can be done in word, they can be, you can see these fruits through relationships that people have with others, what those relationships are like, or you can see these fruits in people's reactions to things, to other people's actions, to events. That's one that's really big. Um, And in the end, though, these actions are all pointing to what your spirit is like, the health of your spirit. They are not what save you, isn't your actions, but it shows what's inside of you. So, in Galatians, which we're going to use for our root text throughout all of this, Paul expands Jesus' teachings for us. Okay, Jesus doesn't talk about that these are the fruits of the Spirit. There's no point at which he talks about that. But Paul... Um, takes what Jesus says and like he does with a lot of things and really nails it out where you can't you can't turn it wishy-washy or anything it's this is what it is which is nice because sometimes we need that it's good to have um, concepts out there like big overarching concepts but Paul really brings stuff down to the nitty-gritty, which is nice. Um, so, we have two sides of us. And this is not, when we're looking at this, this is not like a yin and yang thing, like some mumbo-jumbo, like there's a balance to the universe. Because it's not like that, okay? God is in control, and the, the evil that is out there, he allows it to exist, okay? It's not like there's a balance. But... Um, we so we have already talked about how you have a spirit and flesh. Okay, that's what makes up you as you are right now, and um, the flesh would be your body. It would be your nature. 
Um, but there are two things that you can feed in yourself. So you remember talking about that before? We said that there are two parts of you that you can feed. Oh, I remember your journal. Right. Yeah, there's the server, he can feed the one guy at the end of the table or the other guy. And whoever gets the food is the one who's going to grow. And um, there's also, this is a good one that I really like the picture. I don't, I don't agree with all of the ideas that are involved in it, but it's a really strong picture that the story is there's a Native American um, who says to a young guy, he says, there's two wolves inside of you. If you feed uh, one that's good and one that's bad, and whichever one you feed is the one that will grow. I don't know. I think it's a cool picture. But you, so you have two things that you can feed in your life, all right? It comes down to those two choices. probably don't hear the word obedience much, do you? I do because I have a dog I have to teach her obedience. Okay, yep. That's probably one of the ways we still use it. But you sing in the song, Audrey. Yes. yes. That's right. That's how you know how to spell it, right? <laughs> and people don't really like that word anymore. It's almost like a... Like I don't have to listen to anybody. Um, that's somewhat rebellion right there. Like people say it is. It is. And that's and that is part of the spirit of Antichrist that is growing in the world, okay? And because how many have you what have you been told to be true to? Who have you been told to be true to? Okay, your health, yourself, your heart, right? It's always be true to yourself, right? Well, I'm going to tell you, that's a lie. <laughs> it is. Now, that is not to say, because, right, we just talked about Evan and Eli. They're both personalities. They have great things about them that we all love. Probably things that we don't love, but that's true for everybody, right? But they have great things that only they have. Okay, and that is part of themselves. That is great. God made them that way. But who are you really supposed to be true to? To God. Okay, that's who you're supposed to be obedient to. We don't have that taught to us anymore. It's you answer to yourself. And really, in the end, that is the rebellion side. Okay, so you can either be in obedience to God. And um, lots of people are saying teens are rebelling now because they won't listen to their parents. Well, that's always true. <laughs> and your point, like people say when you turn eight, you're kind of the kid stage, but you're not in the rebellious teen stage yet. Okay, so those are those are your only two options. There's no in between. Okay. What if someone's obedient to God, but sometimes they're also rebellious, but not against God? 
Right. Either one of those will fall underneath the category. What I'm saying, what if sometimes they're reading God, but sometimes they're rebelling? So they're doing the rebellion against God. Right. Okay, guys. This is a good point. It's not the person that is in the middle. It's the actions that are Right. So that's true. But that comes back to which side are you feeding? If you feed the side where you're open. If you're feeding the side where you obey God more, that side will grow more. But what if, you're, what if someone's feeding the people and more? <laughs> I, it's, that what won't be possible been? because God, Jesus said you can only serve one master. In the end, there will be one that you serve. Okay, And there'll be a judgment day to determine that in the end. All right? So... Now, we're going to bring these down, and there's two root actions that come from these, okay? If you are on the, are you, you're feeding the obedience, you have love on that side, and if you are feeding rebellion, Hatred would be on the rebellion side, wouldn't it? Nope. You have pride. Oh, like when someone's like too much in their own pride and ego that they don't want to apologize because they feel like they always have to be right? That's one thing. That's one yeah, thing about pride. Sometimes pride's called ego. That's a part of pride, but I would not say that's the only thing. It's not a synonym of pride. That's right. <laughs> All right. Now, but I will say that very close that follows pride is selfishness. So like free. No. Greed can fall underneath selfishness, but greed means only applies to money and things. No, like someone's greedy, like, I'm not going to get this to that person. I'm going to keep it for myself. That will see money and selfish. things. Yes. Right, that would be about things, which is greed, but you can be selfish in other ways. You could be selfish with your time. You could be selfish with your emotions, where you always want to feel happy. It doesn't matter anybody else's expenses. That could be the only thing that's important to you. Okay? So, so we see that, what, um, that there are two, it's like, the root of how you make your decisions on either side of these, okay? And then what comes out from each of these, and we see right here in Galatians, okay? So we'll do the other side, the rebellion side first. And I think you guys read some of these last week here in verses 20. Or 19 and through 21. So, what are some of those that are they're really coming out of pride? Adultery, fornication, or specifically, and cleanliness. Well, I would argue that every single one of those comes out of pride. Because, okay, so what is what are you rebelling against if you're rebelling against God? Um, Jesus, love, caring. 
What are you rebelling against? What don't you like about God if you are against him? Consequences for your actions. Consequences, okay. An authority above who? Above you. You, right? Okay. So that's Yes, that's that one's kind of a nuanced example where a king would be a little bit more clear. Um, but pride, really, what it comes down to with pride, if you want to try to define it, it's that you are always better than whoever is around you. That's that's the part of it that you are that you are trying to be better. You think, or you think that you are better, and that's your whole goal is to be above them, one step above them, constantly, no matter what. So, um, what were some of the other ones you said? Hatred. Okay, hatred. So that's easy, right? To why would you hate other people? Okay, if you perceive them as better than you, or they have authority. Okay, so. Okay. I'm serious. I'm serious. He literally attacked me with a wooden sword yesterday. Abby? <laughs> the only thing I had Strike. Okay. was a spatula. I was to find a wooden sword with a spatula. <laughs> what about strife? What do, what do, you shouldn't cause it. What do people, what is their goal? If people are causing strife. Okay, they're trying to make other people unhappy. What is that? Well, what does that satisfy for them? Well, probably because they probably feel bad about themselves. They want to make other people feel worse than they can feel bad about themselves. Okay, there you go. And that brings you back. That's one way that brings you back to pride that you're still a little bit better because you don't feel as bad as them. What's another? thing about strife spreading chaos spreading yeah chaos animosity misery why would why else would you do that i don't know maybe you guys want to do it but okay it's funny uh, but what when you make when you make but when you make other people laugh what is what is then this isn't always the case but what does that make people feel like if they were a comedian they get up on stage and they kill and everybody laughs and thinks they're hilarious what does that do oh, for them? That feeds your pride. they feel powerful right they were able to control the now i'm not saying there are being humor and all that that stuff is great it's wonderful we obviously we all laugh a lot up when we're up here it's good okay humor yeah, is a great thing yeah, that's right. But but really, think about it. It that that could be that can be something that um, can be a temptation, though. Right? You get that's where you gotta watch out for. It. Okay. Uh, do we need to, to do any more? Right, everybody got the picture. Murders. I think we can figure out why yeah. that. Do we need to go into that, why that one <laughs> Le- leads into no. selfishness and pride? And, okay. All right. How about 
the obedience side. We go to verse um, 22. What are some of those? Joy. Okay. Love suffering. Okay, patience. How does that feed in? I think, well, it'd be easier to explain if, like, in the contrary, impatience would be rebellion against God because you're not wanting to wait for His way. Okay. Because so, you're not in control. Alternatively, so, patience would be good because then you're listening and waiting for when it's when things are supposed to happen according to God's plan. Oh, which would be like okay. not being selfish. And it would. Use this then it's not about you, it's about... Yeah. Okay. It's but I want to think about not just in the contrary. Like, I know it's easy to think about it in the contrary. Patience is, is important for beings because if you're patient, you're taking time out of your time out of your day to help someone else achieve it because you're waiting in time. Okay, yes. Um, let's do this then. I'm trying if we're so we'll just move right into love because that's what we're going to focus on tonight now love you can find it in all of these other ones it's because it really is all encompassing okay you without it you paul says in corinthians i think second corinthians he talks about how they're all of these other gifts, they're not the fruits of the Spirit. Because anybody can have the fruits of the Spirit. That's a great thing about it. But he talks about other gifts. that Some people are meant to be elders. Some people are meant to um, be... Um, Singers that spread God's grace. Yes, something like that. All these different physical attributes that people said. But then he says the greatest gift of all is love. And it's just... It trumps everything, okay? So that's what we're looking tonight at tonight. And this might try to help us start to um, realign our definition of love. So tell me if I say if, if I say that somebody says, "I love so and so, what does that mean to you? When somebody when you hear that someone said, "Oh, I love." Whatever. It doesn't even have to be a person. Okay. What does that mean? Um, it could seem like, um, well, if it were a person, it means that they really, really care about them. Maybe someone has a special bond. But if it were an item, they could say that they really, really just like it and they want a better reason to express it instead of just, I like this. Something that has, like, meaning to them, sort of. Like, or it's maybe like a two category, maybe. Okay. Yeah, like some, like if someone had a favorite toy, they say they love it because it's been to them for all hard times and good times. Okay. What does it mean? This is a hard one, right? At poets and songwriters, it's like the number one thing songs are written about, right? Love. People trying to express what it means. Is it really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is probably looking a bit more present right now. 
Okay, so <clears throat> what's it mean if I say I love ice cream? You like it a lot. Like you eat it a lot. It makes you happy. Okay, it makes me happy. That's okay. We are getting somewhere now with what our culture defines love as. It makes me happy. Gives me good feelings. Is that correct? Ice cream. Is it? I don't know. Well, sometimes it's correct. Okay. Well, let's let's. How about this? Is it bad if love means it makes me happy and it makes me feel good? Is that a bad thing? That seems kind of like it feeds into your pride. Okay. All very good points. All right. So I'm gonna say I will tell you we have. We do not have a very good definition of love in our culture. No, I don't think anyone really we, have we do. We have uh, we have a we do have a problem with we constantly in this postmodern era we are always trying to redefine things. It happens a lot. And it's a lot of it is a lot of times wrong. It happens a lot that we're trying to redefine what people try to redefine what marriage means. They try to redefine yes, what because most of the time, most of the time, some people redefine marriage because they want a divorce. Right, and, and that that does lead me into the next thing that I was going to bring up because, I mean, when you think of love, it doesn't take long to think of marriage, right? Which doesn't take long to think of divorce eventually. And yes, in our day and age, it does not take long to think of that. And it's interesting that Felicia said eventually, right? Isn't that kind of the attitude now? That this probably won't be forever. I'm just getting yeah, married. Like, like people say, I'm not saying that's anybody's here attitude, but that's a lot of people's attitude going into marriage. Yeah, like they say, like. Like most of the time when they start going into marriage, they say, I love this person, this is them last for a long, long time, this love is forever, and all that. But eventually the spark will run out and they'll end up with someone else. Because over time, people change. But and sometimes they grow apart. Okay. But what does... Felicia brought up some interesting points there because she said eventually the spark runs out. Isn't that kind of the makes me happy, makes me feel good, and as soon as that's gone, I'm not interested anymore. No, because you love you. Okay, hold on, listen to what Sierra just said. Okay, it's a choice. What does that mean, it's a choice? Even when you don't, it doesn't, it's not always happy, and sunshine and rainbows, you still choose Okay, you said even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. What? Ooh, what does that involve? She means like when like, someone falls on the hard times. Like if you're mad at just like you don't divorce them when you're mad at Okay. More than just that, but you know. Okay, but there is because 
love isn't a bunch of like just it's not all these feelings that you feel because and that's that's really what we look at in our culture that's what's on tv that's what's on tv shows that's what's on everybody's i don't know whatever instagram stories or i don't know just it's throughout okay but if we're really going to understand something clearly, if we want to realign with the true definition of something, of a word, of a, a um, concept, where do you go? Yes, more specifically. No. <laughs> where do you go? More specifically than just the Bible. Jesus. Jesus, okay? He is the end-all, be-all. That's where you go to to understand it best. So, Matthew chapter 22. Yes, chapter 22, verse 36. Through 40. Whenever you guys are ready. Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay. So, guy comes up to Jesus and says, he wants to know, because he holds Jesus as regarded at the very least as a great teacher and says, what is the greatest commandment in the Bible? Or the greatest commandment of all time. And Jesus gives him two. What are the two? Okay. And? And then a second one Okay. So, when when was this first told to people? This law. Moses. You're right. It is Moses. Was that a guess, or did you really know? I figured it was the Ten Commandments. It's not in the Ten Commandments. It isn't. Oh. <laughs> but you are right. You are right. But. Really, it was Jesus that gave Moses this law. Yes. But, of course, you know, he told the people about it. So everyone has known this for 2,000 years. So turn back to Leviticus, which is the book of laws, all right? And chapter 18, or sorry, 19. Yep. Chapter 19, verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, forgive others. It's part of it. Okay, who though? Who are you forgiving? Oh. 
What's that mean? That's an interesting way to phrase it. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. Audrey was kind of on the right track. What'd you say? God, so, all people. So, God created all people. What's thy people, though? It's a little thy. Who is it talking about? If this law is told to you. Okay. Yes, that's what it would mean out of context. What's it mean in context of Moses telling the people this? Oh, is it like the, the group well, of them? It out each other. It's the Israelites. Anybody who's Hebrew. Okay. So, good, right? All good. Anybody in this nation is that is your you are not supposed to avenge or get even and you're not supposed to hold a grudge against them. That's hard enough. Okay? And but then you're also to, supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And elsewhere, not in this ch- this chapter here, but do you remember the guy who says who's your neighbor to Jesus? He says, "Well, who is my neighbor?" Kind of like, well, "I don't want to forgive and love everybody." Who so who's my neighbor? Like this block of people, this town. And what's the answer? How does Jesus answer it? Nope. How's he answer a lot of things with? What's he use? A parable, right? It's famous parable. The Good Samaritan, right? Who was of another like half nation. They were like half Israelites, half not. And the Jews hated them. And the Samaritans kind of didn't really care for the Jews either because the Jews hated them. And then that Samaritan treats the person beat up on the side of the road, takes him to an inn, or I guess today would be like a hospital slash hotel, <laughs> and the guy and pays for him to be taken care of and goes on his way. Okay? But when did Jesus tell them this concept of that everybody is your neighbor? When does Jesus tell them that everyone in the world is their neighbor? I know, now you're thinking this is a trick question. Does he not say that? Ever? No, he does. I mean, he definitely does with the parable of the Good Samaritan. So technically, if it's in the parable... Here, I'll help you out. Go back to verse 13 in the same chapter of Leviticus and read that through 17. Out loud would be nice. Uh, whoever we left off with. <laughs> Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not provide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the death, nor put some in bark before the blind, but shalt fear the, thy God I am. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. 
Thou shalt not go up and down as a tailbearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. Okay, so if you weren't sure how to um, treat your neighbor, there's some things in there like, don't be a tattletale kind of, right? A tale bearer. <laughs> well, don't, really, I mean, don't treat people that don't have the same advantages of you as you poorly. Really, that's what it's saying, okay? Well, and it says that you're not supposed to be a respect the persons of the poor or of the wealthy. What does that mean? It means you're not supposed to respect anyone, but you are supposed to technically respect them, but you're not at the same time. Like you're not supposed to hold them at a higher standard than you hold anyone else. Okay, the last part that you had there was right. You're not supposed to hold poor in higher regard than everyone else or wealthy people. Everyone's on the same playing field. Yeah, like like how we didn't send you to that Still though, all of this just applies to the Jews, right? Well, let's turn the page. Go to verse 34. Whoa. And whoever we left off. Or same, chapter. same chapter. But the stranger that dwells with you shall be unto you as one born amongst you, and thou shalt love them as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, what does that verse tell you? Um, even if someone. Not even in any way related to you, or like you don't even know them. There's someone you've never even met. They're still equal to you. Right. Somebody comes to your house, to your town, that's from wherever. You treat them like they are one of your family members, and everything that we just read about all this other stuff applies to them too. So. Right, that's what it means, that it mean, applies to everybody, okay? So, this has, been, this has been Jesus' law for a really, really, really long time, okay? This has been his model for how to live your life and how you are to love others. Um. <clears throat> And another important part of that verse there is he says the why. He says, remember, you were strangers in the land of Egypt, even which they were until they were made slaves. But remember, they were there. They were in that same situation. So it is something that you can draw from it is to when you're thinking about how to love others, is to rem if they're in a situation that you were in before, remember what it was like when you were in that situation. What would have helped you, or what would have been encouraging to you, or what you would have appreciated in that when you were in that yeah, same situation. Yes, but many things in the world we all experience the same types of things. There's not a whole lot different between everybody.
but I guarantee you there is somebody else out there that has had the exact same experience as you. I'm pretty sure no one else has had, had the same experience I bet there is some. Okay. So, now, we're going to start looking here at what it does mean to love, okay, as a verb, and what do you think then loving someone else how you love yourself looks like? What does that look like? Be a small example, a big example. Like, um, on a hot day, bringing some popsicles or lemonade or something like that. Okay. Think about, think about if you were, like Felicia said, if you were, knew you were coming to some event and it was going to be super hot, you'd say, well, I'm not going to bring popcorn, I'm going to bring something cold. Because I would like something cold if I were going to be, I don't know, at this sport game yeah, or something. Okay, that's a little example. All right. Anybody else? I'm going to laugh at this joke because I knew if I said this joke, I'd bust someone else. So that's it. Okay. I'm going to laugh your jokes because I want you to laugh at my jokes. And we all did that for you, too. <laughs> so. So Audrey might have said that out of that she understands other people's pain when you say a joke and nobody laughs, right? She understands what that's like. And that, that is part of love, is having empathy, understanding somebody else's pain and suffering. And that will help with your heart, with your emotion side of loving someone. But that will only get you so far, okay? That, that kind of love will run out at some point where your emotions are, are, can't support it as the only reason why you are yeah, loving like someone, someone okay? So, um, if you want to realign your definition of love with God's definition, you have to think this. You have to think, how can I serve them? That has to be the thing that you think in your mind. And then you make a decision on that. What, how can I best do something that's going to help them, to serve them? And for me, growing up, I did a lot of work with my dad. It was like every Saturday, he would get me up as early as he could, six, sometimes seven, if I was lucky, it was eight. And whatever we he was working on that day, I was helping him. And um, <clears throat> he taught me very well how to how to act this out, the attitude of a servant in a work environment. And this is what he taught me how to do: is that when you are not the leader on the job, where you are, whether you're the lowest person or you're just the right hand man to whoever is working that you are always thinking what he is going to do next. So try to be one step ahead. 
Yes, you are always trying to think of what is going to be needed next and what is going to help him most when he's working. So, if you are doing a roof on a house and you're screwing plywood down and you're down to like the last sheet, you better be getting out the air compressor, the nail gun, and the nails and have it all ready to go so he never even has to wait to have the tools and do it next. Sometimes nail guns usually fail most of the time because some of them are actually don't work well or they run out of nails. But that's beside the point. So, so most of the time you'd rather get a hammer than a nail gun? Nope, I'd rather have a nail gun. So, <laughs> what if the nail gun goes backwards because it's like one of those reverse ones that shoots you in the eye? I've never seen one. But, but if you but if you can then take that attitude of always thinking about others and what's going to help them best, how you can best serve them, and you can apply that attitude to whatever else you're doing in your life, whatever relationship that you're in with somebody, whether it's your parents, your sibling, eventually your spouse, possibly one day, you know, whoever it is, your maybe children, it's how can I serve somebody, okay? And love is Really, it is not about you. It's not about what you get out of it. It's about what you Although you will get stuff out of it, it's about sacrificing of yourself. Whether it's time, whether it's your Money sweat, sometimes your blood, right? In extreme cases, right? Yeah, like if you're a blood donor. But I'll tell you that those aren't always, those. Sacrificing blood might not even be the hardest type of sacrifice. Well, well, let's let's think about Paul, who is writing about these fruits of the spirit. He, what did he sacrifice? Yeah, what does he say about what type of sacrifice to be? Not a dead one. No, like one like a living sacrifice. He uses that phrase. He, I think he coined that phrase. To be a living sacrifice for Christ. Yeah, like how some people use to sacrifice white lambs. No, it means to live every day giving up all of yourself for someone. Or in, but what he means is giving up all of yourself for God. For because <clears throat> this, the love in the that is coming from God. God is, um, he is, his whole. Um, <clears throat> way that he shows love is through the same thing. So he's showing love towards people. And if you are exemplifying these things, if you love God back, 
really, you're going to go and do what he asks you to do, okay? And that is to show these fruits of the Spirit, to enact them in the world, really to bring others to the kingdom, all right? That's, that's what makes the church work well, is these fruits of the Spirit's being um, just abundant within the church. And as Paul is explaining how this is a um, this is a living sacrifice that you are doing on a daily basis, that you have to give up a lot. It takes a lot out of you. To express love. And we said that he did his whole life, and it wasn't just his time that he invested, but there's another thing that he had, they think that he had really poor eyesight, so much so that it, like, he had pus that was running out of his eyes, like, all the time. That's something that he suffered through. That's something that he dealt with constantly. Not a fun thing to deal with when you're traveling. It doesn't make things easy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he had his, regained his sight. I don't know if it was related there, but this is just one of the things that they think. But these are all things that tie into um, what it means to love, to be have a servant's attitude. He could have said, well, my eyes are so bad, I just can't do this anymore. But that wasn't his attitude. His attitude was people need, they need me. They need what I have to say. I've been given a gift of speaking. I've been given a gift of um, talking with Jesus, being um, in his presence and told things that no one else has been told. And I need to spread that to whoever else that I can. And the only way he could was through travel. He couldn't just decide to go take care of him, his own self medically if he was going to show his love to everybody. So we're going to continue on and look at some of the other spirits as we, uh, fruits of the spirit, sorry, as we go through this series. So thank you guys.